Hi, this is Pastor Tom, and I want to welcome you to week four, our last week of looking through the book of Nehemiah. This is the first day of this uh, last week of looking through this great book about how you can rebuild in your life, how you can re-energize your life. We've been walking through these seven principles that Nehemiah teaches us. We've gotten five, and we're going to look at the last two this week. We've talked already about reaction, how to begin to see your problems as opportunities, initiation, how to take the first step, appreciation, how to stay focused by giving thanks, opposition, how to expect and reject opposition, and then organization we talked about last week, how to organize your successes. How do you learn from your failures and then organize your successes? This week, as we look at the sixth principle, we start by talking about celebration, the principle of celebration. How do you regain and retain the joy in your life? Celebration is one of the keys to being a successful rebuilder in your life. A lot of people, they rebuild the wall, whatever it is, the relationship, the career. They go through all of the rebuilding only to find out that they have crumbled. They accomplish the task only to find out that they've been consumed by it. They become so busy, so successful, that life is no fun anymore, and then they cave in inside. Listen, rebuilders are not unsmiling workaholics. They've learned to accomplish great tasks while still being able to enjoy life because celebration, enjoyment, is one of the keys to holding on to what you've rebuilt. So when you look at your life right now, where are you? Do you have a sense of energy in life? Do you have like a spring in your step or do you feel sprung in your step? How can you begin to rebuild energy in your life? How can you keep energy in your life? One of the keys is a spirit of joy. So how do you regain, how do you retain a spirit of joy in your life? Nehemiah shows us how. He shows us some very simple principles for how this works in our lives. We're gonna talk about one of them today and one of them tomorrow. The first principle is this. Celebration grows out of worship. You can't truly celebrate without worshiping because God is the one whom we most celebrate. God is the one whom we will eternally celebrate. So worship is one of the vital keys to personal celebration and personal joy in your life. Now, I know people often go to a worship service every week and yet still seem sadly lacking in the joy department. So what's going on there? If worship is one of the keys to joy, what's happening? In many churches, the Sunday morning service is more like a funeral than a festival. And Christians look more like they're depressed than that they're celebrating. They look like they've been baptized in vinegar and like they took the Lord's Supper with lemon juice. There's not a smile on anybody's face. So showing up at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning for worship is obviously not enough for this kind of worship that becomes a celebration, that becomes a giver of joy in my life. What kind of attitudes result in joy in the worship service that spills out into your life? Well, Nehemiah shows us. As you walk through chapter 8 of the book of Nehemiah, as he talks about celebration, he gives us some simple principles for how this happens. In chapter 8, verse 1, he says that all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. Now, first, of course, you see water gate. Well, does that have anything to do with Nixon? No, no. This is the gate where the water went in and out. This water gate was thousands of years before the other water gate. But it has to be mentioned that the words water gate are in the Old Testament. So they assembled as one man in the square before this water gate. A vital aspect to joy-filled worship is being with others. They assembled together and being in unity with others. So to increase your celebration and worship, you have to increase your enjoyment of the people that you worship with. And sometimes that just means noticing the people that you're worshiping with, knowing that you're not alone in worship, looking around. Sometimes it means choosing to be with other people in worship. There'll be many, many times in your life 
maybe a lot of them are happening right now, where you won't want to go to church, you will go anyway, and you'll find out those are the weeks you most needed to be in church because you needed to be around other people. And there are times when you have disunity with a brother or sister in Christ, and that's stealing your joy in worship. You need to settle a relationship problem. To increase your celebration and worship, you enjoy the people that you worship with. That's one of the keys. As you read through, the next thing that they do is they honor the word. Verse 4, Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. In verse 5, Ezra opened the book, and all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Part of celebration is this sense of significance. If you go to a World Cup soccer final, there is this sense of celebration because of the significance of the event. Somebody's going to win the World Cup that day. Well, the significance of God's Word may not be as obviously greater than a World Cup, but it is obviously greater. I know some churches even that stand for the Scripture reading in their church, and it's because of this verse that when they heard the verses of the Scripture read by Ezra, they all stood together. But whether you stand or not is not the most important thing although it can be a good thing. A sense of importance and significance that's attached to God's word. That's one of the keys that creates this joy, this celebration and worship. I am doing something important. I'm hearing something important. There's really nothing more important than what I'm hearing from God's word. And then the next thing that happened came from the leaders. They taught the word in a way that people could understand. In verse eight of chapter eight, they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. If something is significant and yet you don't understand it, you just feel confused. If I went to a World Cup soccer final, I might enjoy what was going on because I'd know what the goal was. But if I went to a World Cup cricket final, I don't understand cricket, I have to admit. I don't understand the sport. So I would just feel confused. I wouldn't feel the significance, the importance of the event because I wouldn't understand what was going on. Well, as a leader, as a teacher, One of my jobs is to make clear what's going on in God's Word. What is he saying to us? And when you understand it, you're able to begin to live it out. When you understand it, you'll be able to have more enjoyment in worship. So that's what the leaders did for the people that day. They explained God's Word. Here's what it means. Here's how we're supposed to live it out. That's what leaders do. But when it comes to responding to God's Word in worship, that's not even the most important part. The most important part isn't what the leaders do. As important as it is, people have to understand it. The most important part is what we as the people do when we hear the word. It was what the people did that day that resulted in truly joyful worship. They listened attentively to the word. That's one of the keys to enjoying worship. If you just come and while the Bible's being preached, you're thinking about everything else in the world, of course you're not going to have joy because you're thinking about your worries instead of thinking about God's word. Listen to what they did in verse 3, Nehemiah 8.3. He read it aloud from daybreak until noon. That's a long worship service, by the way. Daybreak, say 6 a.m. until noon. You think your worship services are long. He read it aloud from daybreak until noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. So here they are, four, five, six hours listening attentively to the book of the law. Everyone listened. They really listened listened. And one of the keys to understanding why sometimes you have joy in worship and sometimes you don't is this key of attentively listening. There's a difference between listening and hearing and attentively listening. In my house, if I'm reading the newspaper 
And Shondell, my wife, says something to me, and I'm going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And she says, what did I say to you? I could put the newspaper down and maybe even repeat what she just said, but you know I was not attentively listening. I had my mind on something else. I didn't have my mind, my heart, on what she was saying. Attentively listening. That's when you put your mind, your heart, on what God is saying to you. And when you do that, the joy goes up, the celebration goes up in your worship experience. They listened attentively to the word. And then a final thing we learned from what happened with Nehemiah, how to bring the celebration to your worship experience is they praise the Lord. Obviously, you're going to have more celebration when you take time to praise God. So in verse 6, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. And then they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. This expression of humility. Throughout the Old Testament, in the temple worship, in the Sabbath worship, in the festivals that God proclaimed that they should have, they built into their lives, they built into their schedules these opportunities to praise the Lord. And you and I need to do the same thing. That's what worship is. When you come on a Saturday, a Sunday, a Monday, Tuesday, whatever day you regularly worship, when you come to worship with other believers, you are building into your life a weekly opportunity to take time to praise God. And when you take time to praise God for what he's doing in your life, even in the midst of the difficulties, you're celebrating God in worship. And that celebration causes you to have the energy to continue to strengthen whatever's been rebuilt in your life. It changes your attitude toward church. You begin to think, I'm headed to church, and I'm going to have a great time because you celebrate at church. You begin to be able to say to your friends, hey, how about coming to church with me? You're going to have a great time. And the great time isn't just like you'd have at a sporting event, as fun as that might be. It's the great time of God speaking to your heart, of your heart being lifted, of celebration truly happening in your life. This is the attitude that begins to happen. I'm going to be there. God's going to do some great things. I'm going to have a great time. That attitude starts to happen when you allow worship to become a celebration. And Nehemiah has taught us some things about how to do that today. Celebration and worship, it is one of the keys to re-energizing your life, to rebuilding your life. So let's ask God for strength to do that right now. Would you pray with me? And in prayer, just say, Father, teach me to celebrate you in worship. You know, sometimes I get caught up in not wanting to be there, or I get caught up in letting my mind wander during the entire time of worship, or focusing on what's happening in the room rather than what you want to do in my heart. Lord, teach me to celebrate you in worship, to do the simple things of focusing on praising, of being attentive to what you're saying. God, give me the strength to do that this next week. And Lord, as I do that, help me to feel the sense of celebration that comes out of that. Help me to sense it. And in that sense of celebration, God, I pray you would give me energy and strength for the doing of your will. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to talk together about the fact that celebration is God's idea. 